The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Usually when we talk to people, Holly, they they come at us with maybe like one or two things that they're just really good at. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I cured cancer and I also flew a balloon over the moon. (laughs) But our guest this week has kind of a plethora of so many things that I would say that she has a uh, a lot of information about. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited to have our conversation today as we're going to dive into a lot of different things. Yeah, faith or finances or infertility, life in general. And uh, Rachel Van Pelt, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Johnny? This guy doing okay. Holly, we're not quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only one coffee deep so far, so we'll see how today goes. <laughs> All right. We, we rank our days by how much we've had, uh, you know, coffee, espresso, mm. tea, dark tea, whatever. But so I, Holly at one, um, hopefully by the end of this, you know, she'll be able to sustain her way through this. <laughs> we like to ask the skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. Rachel, who are you and where did you come from? My name is Rachel Van Pelt. I am currently living in St. Thomas, Ontario, but I'm originally from Essex County, which is what I like to call the Florida of Canada, just just before uh, Michigan there. So for us non-Floridians, why would it be considered? Is it because it's nicer than everywhere else? Because it is south and usually warmer. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Oh, well, originally from Edmonton over here, Johnny's still in Edmonton. Definitely not the Florida. No. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> We're the Montana. However, I was out there last week, and we had better weather in Alberta than we did here in Ontario, so nice. it ebbs and flows. We'll give them some. It's true. Maybe global warming isn't so bad. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how was life growing up in one of the warmest spots in our wonderful country? It was it was excellent. I have very loving parents and I had a, one brother and we were very close growing up. That's who I was visiting last week. Um, but yeah, I just, it was great until about seven. <laughs> and then reality of adversity and trials and living in a sin-filled world kind of hit. I lost my grandfather that I was very close to. And then health issues started building up and uh, lost three grandparents really in 10 years and my parents were all caregivers for them. So processing all of that at an early age, talk about a why me moment, just understanding that there's a purpose to the pain was something I really wrestled through as a teenager and realized, you know what, like there is a reason to everything and there's a purpose to everything. And even though it's hard at this time, God is doing something beautiful. And that started me on a journey to my adulthood and eventually to this ministry that I run of just encouraging others because it's, it's tough. (laughs) It's hard, but there's Mm -hmm. beauty in everything. So you had that figured out as a teenager. (laughs) I started working on it. It was the beginnings. Cause I mean, I was thinking about Pokemons and Ninja Turtles and, you know, trying to figure out all that stuff where you're, you know, trying to figure out the meaning of life and why things, why bad things happen. Yeah. You can call me intense. <laughs> we'll say old soul. Yeah. Hey, I do get that one. So yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause at seven, that's a lot to process. Mm. 
I mean, I think of my daughters who are six and eight, and I'm not even too sure how I would broach the conversation of loss to them in a way they would understand. How how did your parents help you navigate that phase? Honestly, through Christ. Like, I lost my great-grandparents when I was two and four, and at the funeral, my <laughs> My brother tried to like wake my great grandfather up by rubbing his forehead. <laughs> oh, wow. And I said, Trevor, he's not there. He's in heaven. Like I, God just gave me wisdom as a child to realize that there's life and there's death and there's something after that. And I accepted Christ at four. And so thankfully I had that foundation by seven already, but my parents just came alongside and said, you know, like he is in heaven and he loved Jesus. And you can meet him there too someday. And so I instantly had that hope to begin with. And then it, it did take a journey. It was, it was hard. It took a lot of years for me, but holding on to like Christ's word in an early age that, you know, Jesus in a child, simple, like understanding that there is a heaven and there is Jesus and he loves us all. And so we get that opportunity to meet again. Mm-hmm. So you talk about the loss of family members over a number of years, but you're also talking about health, health issues, health problems. What was that? Um, they thought I had irritable bowel for 10 years and then it ended up being celiac. So I was in and out of the hospital oh. um, throughout my whole teenage life kind of thing um, until I could figure it out. And so there were moments that I was afraid to leave the house because I didn't know if I was going to have like a stomach attack while I was out or um working through that, I ended up like my parents got separated when I was 17 and up like in depression and just wrestling through, okay, like Jesus, you are my only, am I everything? And how do I navigate like my own body and my own mind and my own spirit going through all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it, it was, it was quite the teenage years, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but yeah, just holding on to, to the word, like to scripture and claiming that over me um, when I didn't know health wise, how things were going to end up or what was actually going on with my body. Um, and then navigating through, yeah, family stuff. Without being rude, how old are you? I'm 35. So in a time of you being a, a young into teenage years and now dealing with something called C-like, I mean, having the disease now is a lot easier than it was back then. Yeah. How do you navigate foods? How do you navigate, you know, what has been, you know, touched by grains or wheats or whatever else and not, and, and does it just make you just want to stay home because at least you know where that food is made? No, because I, there's too much life to live. And too many things to explore. Um, I think if we live in fear, we would never leave our house ever because there's always mm. going to be things. But when we choose faith over that, I think we just need to learn to navigate and there are going to be risks, but that's just stepping out in courage and trusting God to protect me. Um, there's been other food sensitive sensitivities and allergies that have come up since then. And it does get tricky at times, but um, yeah, I just, I choose to live life and not get trapped in my house. So we figure it out and we keep trying different things and it, it works. <laughs> it's interesting because often we'll say, well, when did your faith become your own? But it sounds like even at a young age, 
your faith wasn't so much about what your parents were telling you to believe, but it was really something that you were living out in a beautiful childlike faith kind of way. What do you say to people mm. who think, well, you were four, how, how real was that for you, that experience? What would you say to them? I think when you allow your child to be exposed to adversity and not constantly protect them, it forces that need for something more that, you know, my parents didn't hide a lot of stuff from us. And now I'm grateful for that because I had to learn for myself, okay, there is a Jesus. Do I believe in it? And what am I going to do with that? Mm-hmm. And kids, like I worked in a school for seven years and I, I got to see the minds of children and they are so inquisitive and often more mature than we realize in the questions that they present. And so when we give that space to them and we give them the tools that they need, then they can choose to flourish in that or get hard in that, just like an adult does. And so I think learning to, to get into the Bible and to understand those stories as real and true helps build maturity as we grow so that when we do become an adult, I mean, I think even as kids get saved at a young age, you, you do have that moment where you get out of the home and you're kind of faced with that question again of, okay, now that you're outside of your parents, you're living on your own. Are you still going to make that choice? And my, that happened to me when I was in my early twenties of, okay, am I going to, am I going to risk this and jump in? Um, and that choice was to do ministry. So came in different ways, but yeah, I think, I think when you're allowing your child to wrestle through questions and constantly just bringing them back to scripture is the best thing you can do. So ministry was always on your heart to kind of continue that as you grew older. Yeah. I had a heart for missions when I was um, in cultures and things like that in my late teens. And then in my early twenties, I was at, I went to a Bible college for a year and I just felt Lord, here's my life. Like, whether it's youth or women or just impacting people in discipleship for, for Christ, like here's my life kind of thing. And it's looked different over the years, um, but now it's led me to the ministry I run now. Uh, cliche Christian question here for you. You went to Bible <laughs> school. Is that where you met your husband? <laughs> no, it's actually not. <laughs> so no bridal school for you is straight up nope. the Bible. <laughs> yeah. How did, later you, on. <laughs> how did you meet him? Uh, my aunt uh, and my mom. <laughs> Family oh, connection. I love this. I, know. Oh. I love it. Okay, do tell. Yeah, my aunt went to church with him and asked his sister if he was still single. And she said yes and said, hey, would you be considering uh, meeting my niece? She loves Jesus. She uh, like is available kind of thing. So, She's no single pressure. and ready to My mingle. Goodness. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and she asked me the same and I was like, Hey, you know, free dinner and movie. Why not? Yeah. Right. <laughs> was it weird that your aunt paid? Yeah. <laughs> Under the table. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So oh, I love yeah. that. Was it love at first sight or to take a few dates? Uh, no, we pretty much knew within two weeks we were going to marry each other. He, oh. he actually, I had kind of like the checklist of what I wanted. Yes. Who didn't? Like, <laughs> I know. Right. Um, 
I always said I wanted to marry like a Michael or a Mark, blonde hair, which is hilarious because his name is Michael and he's blonde haired. Um, but I said I wanted somebody who would like pray with me and share scripture with me and lead the family. And the first email he sent, there was scripture at the bottom of it. The second email said like, I'm praying for your trip. And then mm. I just like, he instantly showed me who he was and I could tell it was genuine. He's like extremely generous and just loves helping people. And a dear friend of mine's niece was in the hospital at the time. And so on the first date, I was like, okay, I have to leave early because I want to go visit her. And he's like, can I come? <laughs> I'm like, uh, is, I just wow. met you. <laughs> Not a prerequisite. <laughs> like, no, I'd love to come. And so he, we stopped at Walmart and he got her gifts and then like just Aww. jumped in with the family Aww. and was chatting with them. And I was like, okay, this is, this is incredible. Like I didn't even have to worry about him. He just, like everyone was smiling by the time we left. So it's such a gift. So, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming him being a supportive husband. So we talk about you and, and ministry and uh, hope through hard times. He was quite supportive then when you wanted to then start doing something like this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I was like, I kind of feel like I should start a blog. Like it, I have had a dream for a retreat center for ministry leaders. Cause I understand that so many of them get burnt out. And so that's yeah. like my long range goal. And God just didn't show me like the in-between. But when I started um, back in like 2019, I was praying about it all and said, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like I just started a blog and encourage people with the different things that I faced. And he's like, do it, do it now. I'm like, huh. <laughs> you're my processor. You usually think about this before. And he's like, no, when we get home, we're at a cottage. He's like, when we get home, we're going to start. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. <laughs> no, he just, he was all for it from the beginning. Jumped right in. Yep. So where, where do you start then for it? Cause I mean, yeah. you have a, a number of different avenues that you kind of have resources for that, that you blog about. You have other people who are involved in it. Where was kind of step one as we walk, then run, you know, to marathon? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, like I said, I'm intense. Um, I, the first is just showing up like the blog. I just thought, okay, I'm praying about it. And Lord, what do I all talk about? And the stories that I talk about in it and the infertility and the finance and the, the faith and all that has all been from our marriage. We got married in 2014 and tried to start a family a year later. It Three years later, we found out we were infertile. Um, mm. And then I had an opportunity to donate my bone marrow, ended up uh, getting too dehydrated and passing out the next morning, hit my head on the tile floor and ended up with a concussion oh, that wow. led to post-concussion syndrome. And so wrestling over that um, at the same time as the infertility, which can cause financial hardship and questioning our faith and all these different things that just kind of compiled right away. Then I just went, okay, how do I step-by-step help others through this? Because these are all major things that can affect and break down a marriage and break down our faith, or they can make them that much stronger. And so I just showed up every day and just started writing um, and then kind of have been praying throughout it all of, okay, Lord, what, what's the next step bit by bit. And so the resources and the tools that I've made from that have just kind of been through what he shows me. 
it seems like a lot of people start with the blog, then they go to the book. Uh, but there comes that point where you are dedicated and committed to creating content that's going to encourage people. And you realize um, this is really resonating with people. And I think we've got something special here. What was that moment for you? Um, that's actually probably one of the hardest questions <laughs> because it's, it's one of those challenges and I'm sure both of you have faced it where it's like, how much do I give to, um, encouraging people or just focusing on the Lord mm-hmm. and not getting wrapped up in the people, which sounds weird. Cause that's who you're ministering to. Yeah. I think there is, there was one moment at the very beginning where I had a woman come to me and said, listen, like my husband just got diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder and is very sick. Um, we just lost our son and she started crying and I just like, it was the beginning of COVID. And I just wanted to reach across and give her a hug, but she just said like, you, you don't know the impact that you're making. And that just so encouraged my heart and went, okay, I just need to keep going. Like, even if it's not making a difference, even, or I feel like it's not, um, yeah, it just, it's those kind of stories that I went, okay, Lord, you are in this and you are working and that's, that's all that I need. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a tricky, <laughs> tricky one. Sometimes it's, it's tough because you don't hear some from people for a while or whatever else, but, um, yeah, it's, it's those kind of stories that just, I hold on to. It's part of the reason why we started doing this was because, I mean, Holly and I working together for years, I mean, you, you get, you get a phone call from the death of, of an infant to the suicide of a brother. And you're the first person they call being in radio. And it was, there are people who are struggling. There are people who are going through these hills and valleys of life and asking God, why me? Why am I going through this? And so that's why we wanted to do something like this because mm-hmm. it gave a different outlet for people to reach out or seek encouragement because everybody's going through something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's that saying, it's either people are coming out of something, going into something, or in the thick of something. So third, you're never, third, third. Yeah, you're never fully out of the woods. You're always at one point or the next and get ready for the next cycle to, to start up again. Yeah, exactly. I always say so everybody has their own burdens to bear kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. We we had chatted with uh, Elizabeth Hagen a few weeks ago, and, and we had a discussion with her about infertility and uh, and kind of uh, there's a lot of people at churches and stuff who are navigating through that. For yourself, is there? And I'm trying I'm trying to be as sensitive as I can about it. But how difficult is it for you and your husband to be dealing with these types of things, knowing that you want, but you might not necessarily get? Yeah, I think there's different ebbs and flows of seasons in that, that comes at different times for us. Like it's, it's been caused contention at times because I might be, you know, let's do embryo adoption and save a life and all that kind of stuff. And he might be, let's do foster to adopt or whatever Mm. in that. There's so many options in a way with infertility that is hard to know, okay, Lord, what, which direction do we choose? Um, and in the the book that I wrote, Sustaining Hope, that is something that has been so beautiful for me is that I've come to a place of peace that I'm okay not having him because I see the need for spiritual children and just taking what I have and pouring into 
people in a faith-based way. Um, at times my husband's not there and that's, that's hard. And I just need to sit in that with him. Um, but I think that like for us, it's coming to Christ every day and surrendering because sometimes we don't know, or we'll see a baby and we're torn to it. Um, something that's helped us is we just got a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) Her babies are okay too. Yes. Um, Our, we had a dog that passed away in June of 2020. And since we've gotten our new one, it's like, you know what? This is like our kid, but it gives us freedom to be able to go and bless other people and be involved in their lives instead of just constantly wanting to fill our own home. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of wrestling through those things. And that's, like I said, it's, it's a daily surrender that you just have to come before Christ. You had mentioned it, uh, released in March, Sustaining Hope. Why did you decide to write the book? I wanted to be able to encourage people in a deeper level than a blog can do in the way that I am very vulnerable and open to my story and the things that I wrestled with and the questions and the doubt that I had, but also sharing how the Lord showed up so much. And I think sometimes when we're stuck in our trials, it's hard to see where the Lord is at. And I just wanted to show people that you can hold on to hope no matter how hard your circumstances are and that God does always show up. I was even surprised reading over my own journals while writing the book, just how frequently he did when I thought it'd be like months or a year. And sometimes it was like every day for a while when we were in the heat of things. And so, yeah, just to be able to encourage people in their own stories to see, to see the Lord and to hold on to hope and know that there are the people who are walking through um, their own situations that I say like, there's nothing new under the sun and every circumstance is similar, but it's always unique to our own. Journaling. Was that a big part of how you processed what you're going through? Yeah, in seasons where I was in the very highs and the very lows. <laughs> Usually when you find me journaling the most. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, just, just recording and then being able to go back through and see the healing that took place. That It was almost third person by the time I did, hmm. like reading my own story, but I was able to separate the emotions from it. I love that you say that. If anybody ever finds my journals, they will think I was just miserable all the time. <laughs> Can we please read these? No, no. I will make sure I burn them. All these journals. Right. I'm just not having a good day today. (laughs) Crying again. Yeah, everyone. Johnny says something mean. (laughs) I like write in like every six months. So I guess, you know, if they see that pattern, it won't be as bad, but... There you go. <laughs> so the the book released in March. Uh, you you have you have the blog. What has been the reaction from people who've had a chance to uh, actually you know sit down and read it and see your your pen to paper or typewriter or you know words on a book, words on a page, <laughs> quill and scroll. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> Tablet and <Yeah>. chisels. <laughs> right. Um. Kind of what I said, people are saying, you know, I appreciate your vulnerability and how raw you are in it, but also how much hope um, that you offer. And just somebody had said, like, they felt like they could join the cheerleader kind of mm. in my wins and my victories. And the the last part kind of goes through 
all the victories kind of thing of walking towards the end and the peace in those different categories. And so people, yeah, just like were in the thick of it with me in the book, but also enjoying the hope and the victory that they could see of Christ's work through it all. You say your book has a lot of uh, hills and valley moments and why me moments. So for you, what is the most standout uh, why me moment that you have gone through? The biggest was probably the infertility mm. in the sense I knew the why for the concussion, um, the infertility I didn't. And there were so many, like I said, seasons where it's just like, where do we go from here? What direction um, do we choose? And I think it w- it was tough because it was like, do you, is it past sins? Is that even truth? Is that mm-hmm. um, thrown in our face or is it like, where's God's grace and where's God's love and wrestling through the deeper questions over that issue and saying, okay, why can't I have kids? Like sometimes, you know, our, our sins and our judgment gets in the way of like, well, why can't that person and not me? And that's not mm-hmm. fair because that's God's story for them, but not God's story for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was the hardest, but also the most faith stretching and growing of just learning that God has good and has a purpose and that it's in us dying to ourselves and laying ourselves down and our own dreams and desires to say, Lord, what are yours? And then learning the beauty of picking that up and just growing in Christ and say, you know what, like your plans for me are good and better than what I can ever come up with. And so help me to just navigate that and find joy in today. And then knowing that I have hope for the future and then just seeing God process that with you. Sustaining Hope is uh, available now. You can go hopethroughhardtimes.org. Rachel, we appreciate you taking some time and uh, sharing your heart. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure and a lot of fun. (laughs) I just love her take on life. She's been Mm. through so much. And it was like, you know, age of seven was her training ground for the rest of everything that was to come in her life. And I just appreciate her ability to see God in the valleys. I don't use this analogy enough, and I probably should, because when we talk to people like Rachel, but Swiss Army knife, because I'm like, oh, I'm dealing with this. Oh, well, I've been through this, or hey, I blogged through this, or oh, I know somebody who, and she's just kind of the person who she's gone through so much. She's blogged, she's written so much that she kind of has that arsenal in her back pocket. Yeah, definitely somebody that you'll want to look up online through her blog, check out her book. It kind of seems like it doesn't, like anything we could have gone through, I feel like she's gone through and yet held her head up high and leaned in on her her earthly support system, but also her heavenly support system. Yeah, so thank you to uh, Rachel for saying yes. We appreciate her. We appreciate you for listening listening, for downloading, for reaching out to us on places like Instagram or Twitter. We have a Facebook page. Holly's working on the MySpace. And <laughs> we also have all the uh, places like what? Spotify. Where, yeah. do you, where do we download? Edify, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, your favorite podcast platform, just search why me project we will be there uh, and if all of that felt super overwhelming and you're like what did you say yeah. uh just go to faithstrongtoday.com yeah.